0: Hello everyone and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Big At The Back Podcast. My name's Tom, I'm here with a jubilant Matthew Higgins. Matt, how are you?
1: I'm very good and I don't even really know why, I just enjoyed the intro and had a little dance along. We are four days away from the start of the Premier League season, which I still don't think I'm ready for. Um, It's been an absolute... Summer just feels like it hasn't happened. And it was great yesterday watching the women win the Euros as well. I actually sat down and watched that whole game and it was a bit of a roller coaster affair, going to extra time, but uh, a great performance and good to finally see an English team lifting a trophy. Uh, what about you? How are you?
0: Yeah, all good. Uh, the women yesterday were great. Uh, I think everyone enjoyed watching them and watching England actually playing well for once. I mean, we haven't seen that since... 1996 i would think um but yeah all good i like you i don't feel ready for the start of the new season i feel like it's come too quickly so i just don't really know what to make of it
1: well i don't feel ready not the only thing that's come too quickly
0: oh get over yourself right um so (laughs) nothing very strong as matt has just pointed out but yeah all good uh I'm not ready for the season to start and I I barely know the fixtures so this is going to be a case of going through game week one probably for somewhat of the first time for us and just evaluating what we think is going to happen Uh, but other than that, FPL wise it's more I don't feel like I'm ready, I haven't really tinkered all that much or nearly as much as I'm used to so I'm not 100% confident in my side which I feel like I really should be at this point
1: I'm the same I feel I set up my team initially, and I've probably made it about 10 transfers in the several weeks that have passed since. Uh, I'm sure by the time Friday afternoon comes around, my entire afternoon will be devoted to tinkering, making little changes here and there, probably bringing most salary in, and just changing everything. Like the 15 that I currently have, I'll probably be about 12 different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Friday afternoon will also be about making as many long-term season bets as we can. I haven't done any yet. I know I've missed the championship start. By the way, that that was a great game, Burnley versus Huddersfield. And Burnley looking really good for the first time in ages as well. But, yeah, I don't know what my season predictions are going to be yet either and therefore what my season bets are going to be. I expect I'll probably do something like... I don't want to say City to win the league because that's boring, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, may, maybe a go a Kane top scorer. I think that's a, probably a decent chance over the course of the season.
1: Yeah, I like to do a, a little acca through and I normally do it the week before the Premier League starts. So I'll let the week one of the Football League start and I'll do like a Premier League winner championship, League One, League Two, and maybe the, the National League as well. Chuck on an each way, like a fiver each way. And if it comes in, you normally get big returns. I think um, once I got three out of the five came in, but then I think I had Sunderland to win league one and they finished about seventh because Sunderland are always shit.
0: (laughs) But they are responsible for the greatest football documentary of all time. Sunderland till I die. That's, I think the best part of that documentary was watching them all hype themselves up. We're going to bounce straight back into the Premier League. We're going to be amazing. We're a huge club. We know what we're doing. When they lost the first game 5-0. Um, so it, uh, if you haven't watched it, Sons of I die is fantastic and really, really worth watching.
1: It is um, honestly fantastic. The only thing that, um, well, I wouldn't say we'll overtake it because they actually got their act together last season. But the All or Nothing Arsenal documentary comes out later this week as well, which should be an interesting watch. I think that comes out on Thursday.
0: I mean, you've, you're saying it. I hate the narrative that they got their act together because they, they messed up and bottled last season. So I really just want to watch that. Um, people are saying, our oh, Arsenal are looking good. They're doing really well. Well, they're not if you look at results. But who knows? We'll wait and see. Preseason has been going though. How how have you how do you judge the preseason when you're thinking football and FPL, Matt?
1: I pay paid very little attention to preseason in general. Like you, you've seen, some players have really hit the ground running. Gabriel Jesus is the one that everyone's talking about. I think he's hit seventy percent ownership today in FPL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks good. He scored a hat trick in the Emirates Cup at the weekend. But I always think, in general, ignore preseason for the most part. As a West Ham fan, I can almost guarantee if we have a good pre-season, it will mean we'll start the season terribly. And if we have an underwhelming pre-season, we'll start pretty well. So, it's all basically, it's all just fitness work for those sort of few weeks before the season starts. Obviously, we had the, the Community Shield on Saturday mm-hmm. as well. That one, you can maybe put a little bit more stock in because it is, does, it's a glorified friendly, but it is a slightly more competitive game.
0: I mean, with the Community Shield, I've never cared about it. I'm a Liverpool fan. Now Liverpool have won it. It's the most important trophy in England. (laughs) It means more than the FA Cup, than the League Cup. I mean, it probably means about the same as the FA Cup and League Cup. I hate them as well. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. Community share people at least try somewhat to win it, but they're not too bothered. Uh, What I quite found enjoyable, though, about the pre-season was um, seeing Frank Lampard coming out and absolutely slating his own players after losing 4-0. Was it, uh, I think it was... uh, an American team, Miami, or someone like that. They lost 4 0 in a preseason game with their strongest 11. Then Frank Lampard came out and started throwing his players under the bus. It's like, you should not be doing that. You're, it's a friendly, it's basically there to work on fitness. I don't think you understand how the preseason works.
1: I mean, it's Frank Lampard. You look at him, and he, he's, he's the sort of man that always go with all of the pitch and you can sometimes see that with managers that were very good players it's hard to understand when other players aren't as good as they were
0: yeah uh, very much thinks of that but regardless um what we're going to do for this episode because we are very close to the start is dive into the game week one fixtures and based on what we've seen and what we know of the clubs um at this early stage we're gonna talk through the games and give our expectations for them so why don't we kick off with you and we'll start with the Friday night game that you and I are going to watch, which is Crystal Palace versus Arsenal.
1: This is the first game of the season is always so hard to predict. I mean, last season we kicked off, uh, it was Arsenal again on the Friday night away at Brentford and lost 3-0 and that was the sort of the start of their terrible start to the season. They've obviously made a few good signings over the summer, Jesus, Sinchenko and Vieira being the main big ones. Um, it's... Jesus has sort of come in and hit the ground running. Zinchenko hasn't really featured much yet because he only signed, what, about 10 days ago, I think. Um, so they've they've made a few good signings. They look a good side so far this season. As I say, Jesus is the, the big asset in FPL at the moment, um, at like over 70% ownership. Palace obviously had a good record last season. I think they um, got four points off Arsenal, if, uh, if memory serves me rightly. Um, Patrick Vieira obviously going back against his old club, it's going to be an interesting one. They haven't made many signings, so they're sort of looking, but they have got a young side anyway. So it's such a hard one to predict. So I think if I was putting money on it, I'd, I'd, I'd still be leaning towards Arsenal, even though they are away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm just looking forward to actually watching it, to be honest with you, like getting the Premier League season back underway, way. I think it could be a good game like Sellers Park under the lights. is always a good atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it's one of those games that you look at and it's never, never an easy game, but Arsenal should be expected to win. Um, Yeah, during pre-season, Arsenal have looked really good. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been awesome for them, uh, combining really well with Martinelli, actually. So I think it's got all the makings of quite a tight game if we're looking at it objectively, but obviously
1: what we want to see is Arsenal
0: losing 3-0 again.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic. That would make my day.
0: Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think Arsenal are a really good early investment team. Their fixtures at the beginning of the season um, are looking very good. If you look at the first seven games on the fixture difficulty rating on FPL, the only one that's a red, so the hardest level or second hardest level, is game week six when they play Manchester United. Now, I'm not sure that's that tough of a game given Man U of last season. So they've got really, really good opening fixtures. Um, Bournemouth and Fulham in there as well, Everton in there. So I think Arsenal are definitely a team to invest in initially. Um, And it's almost a shame because Palace are the opposite. Two of their, or three of their first four are Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City. So I think after that, the fixtures get slightly better or maybe from game week eight onwards, they get slightly better. But I think Palace, unfortunately, from an FPL standpoint, aren't a team we want to be looking at, even for the first game week.
1: So you're saying don't get Wilf Saha in? Is that what you're telling me?
0: Except for Wilf Saha, if your name is Matt Higgins. Um, yeah, I don't think from an FPL standpoint you can look at Palace, given the fixtures, unfortunately. But that would probably change on the first wildcard week, um, which is going to be game week eight for all of those that haven't been paying as avid attention to FPL as we have. Um but I'm seeing an Arsenal win here. I'm seeing a boring 1-0 win um, being completely transparent. But who knows? Maybe the Palace can pull a surprise up.
1: I think it wouldn't surprise me if you saw goals, to be honest with you. I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if it was a 1-0 either way. But yeah. uh, from memory, both games last season were quite open and entertaining. Uh, I think there was a late goal in at least one of them for the, goal, the game at the Emirates. Um, so I think... Both teams, especially now Palace under the both teams like to play open and expansive football and attacking football. So hopefully that translates into a good, entertaining game for the neutrals.
0: I hope so, because it's the opening game. Um, Let's move on to talk about the Saturday games then. And the early kickoff is Fulham versus Liverpool. Now, I know you don't captain the early kickoff, but is there anyone in the world that's got the balls to not captain Mo Salah for this game? I don't think so.
1: I think if you've got him, you're captain in him. I let's be honest. I think. Yeah. Um, and is it technically the early kickoff if it's not the second game of the week? Surely the Palace Arsenal game is the early kickoff.
0: Who knows? And all of the highest scoring game weeks last year were ones that started with a Friday night kickoff as well. I'm not sure if that has anything to go with, but you, you never know. I think this, unfortunately for Fulham, well, it looks like they're getting Burnt Leno over the line, but he's not going to be. Tuned in enough to be starting this game and fulham are still going to be starting with tim ream at center back now tim ream is not a premier league standard defender so they are in real trouble coming up against this liverpool attack and i think this is going to be a bit of a whitewash i think when they sign another center back they're in for a few then they'll be competent and up for it but i think if you haven't got three Liverpool assets going into the first game week, you're digging yourself a bit of a hole here because this is going to be, uh, I wouldn't say an easy game, Fulham will be up for it, but it will certainly be a game where you'd expect Liverpool to come away with all three points and a hat full of goals.
1: Big time. Yeah, if you haven't got three Liverpool assets, regardless of who, of who they are, then I think you need to rethink things. But mm. that's, that could have been said for any point over the last sort of four or five years, to be honest with you. I think Fulham have made a couple of good signings. Uh, Kevin and Babu, who was just signed from Wolfsburg, is a decent right back, and they've signed Andreas Pereira from Man United, who is a lot of people are looking at him as like a cheap enabler for their fantasy teams this season. So I think there's no like you could be going well to have him in there. But let's be honest: you look at the two sides, you look at Liverpool over the last few seasons, you look at how suspect it is that they always get a newly promoted team on the first game of the season. There is no way that it's random. I am not having it for a single second. That they always get an easy start, but I won't go on too long about that.
0: It's almost like in a full season, everyone plays everyone else twice except Liverpool. No,
1: nah, but is it, I think it's the last five or six years you paid a newly promoted team on the first game of the season. There is, Who if it cares? was random, there is no way that would happen.
0: Who cares? Uh, genuinely Liverpool beat everyone in the league. So it doesn't matter if we play someone newly promoted or not. So, and everyone plays everyone twice. I don't get this complaining. It's like when Klopp complains about the fixtures. It's like, oh, shut up.
1: Um, so form matters. Form does matter. If you, can ca- if you get three easy games to start the season and you get your confidence up and your form up, you carry that into your next game if that's a harder game. Whereas if you play a hard team first up and you, you get a test and you get beaten, it's going to be harder to bounce back.
0: Everton won their first three games last season. And look at them for the rest of the season. Spurs under Nuno won their first three games, including against Man City. Don't tell me form matters in the Premier League. Uh, we can agree to disagree on this one, I think.
1: <laughs> I mean, it does matter to an extent. There's only so much. You can't, like, that's like saying, <laughs> oh, you've won three games in a row, you've got to win every game forever. Like, that just doesn't happen.
0: I mean, I can't believe you don't believe that happens. <laughs> Let's move on because I think Liverpool versus Fulham is self-explanatory. You need three Liverpool assets, especially at the moment while Fulham haven't got their defence sorted. So let's leave it there and move on to Bournemouth versus Aston Villa. Now I, so my dad's a lifelong Fulham fan. So I have an inbuilt hatred of Scott Parker. I think he's a terrible football manager and just a very really rubbish human. You, as a West Ham fan, probably have an opposite thought.
1: I mean, I think rubbish humour's a bit harsh. <laughs> like, do you know the bloke?
0: I mean, my dad feels like he knows him because he spent so much time hating him. Um, so it's a bit of residual hatred there, I think.
1: Uh, I, no, I don't mind, Parker. I, he was fantastic as a player for West Ham. Uh, he was one of the only shining lights uh, in a team that was battling relegation for a good couple of years. Uh, obviously went on to, to bigger and better things. Like some of the teams he's played for over his career as well. He was obviously a class player, but management, I don't know. It doesn't seem to have suited him suited him that well so far. Not in the Premier League anyway. He seems like an all right championship manager, but I just don't think he's potentially cut out for the Premiership. And I think we'll see that again. They've made, like they've barely signed anyone coming up. I looked at their side that started, they're friendly at the weekend, and it looks like a championship side.
0: Worth noting that they spent loads of money in January to get promoted, essentially. And now they've got absolutely no budget left. So I think they've spent £12 on the car from Middlesbrough, and that's it. So I see Bournemouth going straight back down and straight back into the Championship, probably coming bottom. Um, They scored, they won the most games in the Championship last season, or they won with clean sheets. Fulham, for all their brilliant attack, Couldn't keep a clean sheet. But if you look at Bournemouth, Dom Solanke got 29 goals. But that aside, I don't think there's anyone with any kind of goals right there. I've said it earlier in the season as well. Bournemouth are not going to be a team that score a load of goals. They'll keep some clean sheets, but they'll still ultimately come 20th, I think.
1: Yeah, I think Dom Solanke is one of those players that is sort of like too good for the championship, not good enough for the premiership. He's in that in-between area. Uh, you've seen several of them down the years. They uh, Defensively, they're a little bit more solid. Uh, one player they have, have picked up this summer, ex-West Ham player, Ryan Fredericks, who was out of contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, he's an alright player. He's quick, but he's not the best defensively. But he should be, he, he's, he'll be a good enough standard for a Bournemouth side. I just can't see them, I can't see them staying up. I just don't think they've got enough about them. They've not got enough in the middle. I think they're going to lose a lot of battles in the midfield. They've got A bit of a blunt attack force, and they've got an all right defence, so that just doesn't scream survival to me.
0: Totally agree. Um, They're up against Aston Villa, who have looked very good in pre-season. Um, Liam Bailey has been scoring a lot. Uh, He's five million on FPL, so he's a really, really good option for anyone out there. Um, Ollie Watkins could potentially have a very good season, but I feel like we're always saying that about Ollie Watkins. Uh, the fullbacks Cash and Dinia, I think are still really good options at 5 million. Dinia in particular, I think, is being underrated. So I don't see much wrong with anyone wanting to go in on the Aston Villa assets, especially for game week
1: one. I completely agree. Full-backs are probably the way to go. Potentially, I mean, a lot of people have spoken about Coutinho, and you've spoken about Coutinho, and he had a lot of blanks at the end of last season. But if he can find the form that he had when he first signed, then he's obviously going to be taken a lot of attention but they have done some really good business this summer Diego Carlos from Sevilla is a very good defender and Bubakar Kamara from Marseille on free transfer that could be value for money like as a free transfer that could be one of the signings of the summer I think he is a fantastic player
0: yeah uh totally agree they're quite astute with their business as well um Looking at the next game, then, this is a very interesting one. We're looking at Leeds versus Wolves. Now, Leeds have lost Calvin Phillips to Man City. They've lost Rafinha to Barcelona. And they've replaced them with good players. But I think they're really, really going to struggle this season. What it's going to hinge on, whether they stay up or not, is if Patrick Bamford stays fit, they'll have enough to get up to 14th or 15th. If he doesn't, they go straight down.
1: I'm not going to disagree with that. I think I mean Jesse Marsh has been doing signing some of his players. He signed so two he signed two Americans, um, Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams, uh, both who he sort of worked with previously. So and they could be interested. I mean, I saw Brendan Aronson's assist from the weekend where he played an absolutely beautiful oh. ball with the outside of his right foot. Like that was just pure class. So they have spent quite a bit of money, obviously. They they got Rafinha the Rafinha money and the Phillips money, they seem to have reinvested it on sort of a wider pool of players, which I think they needed because they really struggled last season with a few key injuries. And that's what really killed them uh, in going into the second half of the season. So I'd like to think that they bounce back a bit, but I really don't know enough about Jesse Marsh and how he's going to cope. Like his signings, they seem all right from what I know of them, but they're all pretty much unknowns to me.
0: Yeah, I feel like Jesse Marsh, he's got that Jurgen Klopp a, a bit about him where you can just tell players want to play for him. Uh, so I'll put that in his credit. He's definitely a guy that knows what he's doing, but is he? Uh, I think there is a big question mark over him. He's no Bielsa, that's for sure. Um, but I think some of the signing could be very good, uh, but it's always going to be from an FPL standpoint with leads a bit of a wait and see. I would love to own Bamford at some point over the season, but again, we, we just don't know how that's going to go over the course of the
1: year. Yeah, and I think the same can be said for Wolves. A bit for me, I think. I I don't really know. Like everyone's got neat. Pretty much everyone's got Pedro Neto in their teams. Uh, I haven't, so that probably means it's the right thing to do. Get him in, but I just I don't know. Jimenez is now out for looking like a potentially a couple of months. Does that hinder or help the Neto ownership debate? I I, I honestly don't know. Is he going to play more further forward or? No, so.
0: So uh always cheating, and one of their podcasts was with FPL Black Wolf, who is a Wolves fan and went into a lot of detail about Wolves. Podence is typically the one that plays in a false nine position now. Jimenez is out. Uh, but Pedro Neto is their best attacker. I actually think from an FPL standpoint, if you're going to look at Wolves, considering they've got a great opening or opening to the season, you're probably looking at the defenders. Now Connor Coley is too expensive. Five million. No, absolutely not. Don't go near him. But Johnny, uh, we know he can pop up with a goal, pop up with an assist, and he's 4.5, so he's definitely worth a, a shout. It looks like Eight Nuri is going to be starting as well, because his only competition is injured on that side. So he, he, we know he can bring attack and returns as well. So I think they could be very good differential picks if you're looking at a 4.5 million defender. But like you, I don't like wolves going forward, so I'm avoiding uh, gibbs White. I'm avoiding uh, Neto, I'm avoiding Pollins. All are potentially good options if you trust Wolves going forward. I don't. So for me, on FPL, Wolves are a bit of an avoid, but I could very well be wrong. And lots of people are back on Neto.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't particularly, they don't fill me with confidence. The other defender that you didn't mention, they've signed from Burnley, is Nathan Collins. They've paid about £20 for him. So is he going to start straight into that starting 11? He's a 4.5 as well. So that's another potential entrance into that Wolves defence. But I think if you're going for a 4.5, you want to be going for someone like Nori, who's going to be getting forward a bit more.
0: What I don't like about Wolves as well is long-term, their squad is very, very bad. I didn't realise how much they have been overachieving in the past few years. Their squad is really, really not very strong. And I think over the course of the season, I really do expect them to struggle quite a bit, Um, especially in that second half, assuming half the players can play for Portugal in the World Cup. Um, So, yeah, I I think Wolves are a bit of an avoid at the moment.
1: I'm surprised they kept hold of Ruben Neves, to be honest with
0: you. Yeah, he's only got a year left or two years left in his contract, I think. So he'll probably be off uh, in January, I would expect.
1: We'll Why see. don't
0: you start by giving your thoughts on Newcastle versus Nottingham Forest? And...
1: Nottingham Forest are a bit of an unknown entity, really, aren't they? Uh, so, they've made a few good signings, one of which is in my team, as things stand, uh, which is Taiwo Awaniwi, who signed from Union Berlin, got about 16 goals in the Bundesliga last season. Uh, obviously signed Nico Williams from Liverpool as well. I think that's a, a shrewd bit of business, potentially. Um, but they're up against the side that probably a lot of people not even a dark horse anymore, are they? We can't really call them a dark horse now with the amount of money they've spent. So they are potentially the ones to watch this season. They'll be sort of on a lot of people's minds going into these first couple of game weeks, depending on how they get get going. So, I mean, obviously signed Sven Botman, Matt Targets coming on a permanent deal now, Nick Pope uh, signed as well, plus all the signings they made in January, like Bruno Gimaraes, uh, they've still got St. Maximan, who's obviously a very exciting attacking prospect. The only thing that might hinder them now, which well, it pains me to say, is that Jonjo Shelby's injured, which could mean that Bruno has to play in a slightly more defensive role than he did at the back end of last season when Shelby was being more of that anchor point and he had a bit more freedom to get forward. But if you look at their fullbacks, so you've got Target and Trippier, they're going to be potentially, uh, in a lot of people's drafts, one or well, probably only one of them. Um, And then you've got your likes of Sir Maximan. You've got Almiron, who's been playing quite well in pre-season as well, picked up a couple of goals at the weekend. So, yeah, Newcastle potentially an exciting team this season.
0: Agreed. Um, I'm not sure Almiron starts. Uh, Bruno Guimaraes, I wouldn't be going near anyway, even when he was playing further forward. He outperformed his expected goals that quite considerably. And to me, that shows that he won't be doing it consistently. Um, I think Nick Pope is a fantastic goalkeeper to invest in considering their start of the season and at £5 he's for me the no-brainer there. I love Callum Wilson but he's not been as good in pre-season as I would have liked, uh, which is why I've gone for Gabriel Jesus but yeah, I think Newcastle are a really exciting team to own and I think you should definitely be owning at least one Newcastle asset going into the season, personally.
1: And who would that be if you could only pick one regardless of like your actual squad, your template, your thoughts about anything, who would you say is the best that they could get?
0: So I think there's two options here and my thought process I'll explain. So you've got two options, Callum Wilson up front and Nick Pope in defense. Now, Callum Wilson, he's injury prime, but when he plays, he gets goals. Uh, Nick Pope, I actually think, could be the top-scoring goalkeeper this season. So, for me, it's going to be Nick Pope, because he's not the most expensive, but he could be the top-scoring in his position, whereas Callum Wilson, I don't think he's going to be the top-scoring goalkeeper. St. Mack's a great option as well, at 6.5 in midfield, but again, I don't think he's going to be the best 6.5 midfielder that we get, because Marcus Rashford is also 6.5. So, I really do think Nick Pope is the one to own, and I'm going to be entering the season with him as my first-choice goalkeeper. That's 99% confirmed.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Speaking of goalkeepers, I didn't even mention, of course, Northern Forest signed Dean Henderson on loan. Um, and also Jesse Lingard on a free transfer. So <laughs> if he can rediscover his form that he had at uh, West Ham a little over a year ago, doing his little dances, potentially he could be a bit of a bargain even.
0: He is such a nonce though, isn't he? Right. I mean, yeah, but i mean the 6 million on fpl could be a decent decent shot later in the season maybe um nottingham forest as well i do think they overpaid for neco williams cuz he's not very good defensively um being quite transparent he was very good going forward but the reason fulham didn't sign him uh, didn't want to take him is cuz fulham wants to play with a back four forest wants to play with a back five so he suits forest a lot better but he could be a really good asset moving forward. Um, moving on to the next game, Tottenham Hotspur versus Southampton. Now, we've spoken a lot about Spurs. Uh, I think they're really, really good for the new season. Uh, Ston is probably not someone I would recommend going for, though we've gone for him in our pick at the back team. Um, but then you've got Kane, and I really, really like uh, the def- them defensively as well. Not Perisic, but I've, I think Doherty, People are sleeping on him a bit with Perisic signing and people are forgetting how good he was. He's been starting and looking good in pre-season. I think he's definitely worth a shout to start the season with.
1: It's going to be a tough one, isn't it? Because it's, it's hard to know exactly which way Conte's thinking in terms of who's going to be his starting fullbacks. Because obviously they've signed Perisic, signed Jed Spence as well. Uh, and obviously you've got the guys that were already there like Reguion and Doherty. So... It might be a wait, like a matter of waiting and see for the first couple of weeks exactly who's going to make those spots their own. Then you've obviously got Richarlison signed as well. How's he going to fit into this team? And does that mean Kulisevsky pulls back a little bit further down and potentially to a wing-back? So it's really hard to know.
0: You know, I don't really buy the Kulisewski going to wing-back argument because when... Conte was essentially missing a wing-back for half of last season or the second half of the second half of last season. So he had Reguillon injured, he had on the left, he had uh, Sessignon injured on the left as well, Dorothy was having to play over there, he had Royale injured, he had, I can't remember who else was on the right, but he had basically no starting right-backs and four starting forwards, and he still didn't move Guliseski back, so I don't think he sees Guliseski in a right wing-back role. However, I also think Kulaseski, unfortunately, is going to be demoted to the bench, um, considering the way they play. Uh, so I actually really like Dorothy. I've got him in my draft at the moment start the season, but we'll wait to see on that one.
1: The, I think the big side that I really like for them is Ibisuma. I think yeah. he completely changes their midfield dynamic and he could really be a big step forward to them challenging. The, well, they sh- I think they should make top four this season.
0: I totally agree. I think they're probably the best shout for challenging the top two. Um, coming on then to Southampton. Now, honestly, how do they get as many points as they do every year? Because every time I see them, I just think, this is a rubbish football team.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I, they're so unconvincing. Like, mm. you look at the team on paper. Oh, don't worry, I think Hassan Hook was a good coach. I think he's a good manager. But What seems to be working with so little, but they still manage to get to that level every season. Uh, They've they've got a big defeat in them every now and then. They have obviously had a couple of 9-0 losses in the last couple of years. So uh, we're hoping to improve on that. But I I don't know. I think they could be in the lower echelons of the table come the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I think they'll avoid relegation because there are worse teams. But I think they will be in the bottom half for sure. Speaking of worse teams in Southampton... The next ones to talk about are Everton and Chelsea. So let's stick with the worst team first. Tell us about Chelsea.
1: We, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, have just seen recently, uh, as in since we started this podcast, Fabrizio Romano is reporting that Chelsea are on the verge of signing Mark Cucurella. So oh. they seem to have hijacked City's move for him. But obviously, that in terms of FPL, that has a big influence on... Because Chelsea's. Wingbacks are like big in FPL. Obviously, you've got James and Chilwell. Um, whether or not they do start as the two wingbacks, if Cucurella comes in, who knows? Uh, but Chelsea, potentially an exciting team this season. Sterling's a good sign in. I think Koulibaly's an interesting one because he's the wrong side of 30 now and they've paid quite a lot of money for him. But I still think he is a very good defender. Uh, what's going to happen with Armando Brosier? Is he still going to be there at the start of the season or is he going to move on somewhere else? Obviously, with Kaku's gone. Uh, Christensen's gone, Rudiger's gone. So they've got quite a high turnover of players. It's just a matter of how the new side beds in and starts the season.
0: I think if I'm looking at Chelsea, I'm actually looking less at the defenders because I don't find them very convincing defensively. So even Reese James, for his price, I'm not too keen on him to start the season with. I think the front three are looking really good in preseason, though. So they're moving very well. And that's Sterling, Havertz, and Mount. Now, Mount is probably the one I'd be most interested in because he's 8 million. And within that nice 8 million price bracket, I think is a better option than Bukayo Saka or Kulitseski. Um, so that, that's where I'd be thinking if I was thinking about Chelsea and their assets. And they have a very, very, very tasty opening fixture against Frank Lampard's Everton side?
1: I, I don't know. I don't... F- like, yeah, potentially. I think Mount's a good player, but I he's often a flat-track bully, so maybe it is a good time to get him in against an Everton side. Uh, an Everton side who haven't really done much over the summer. They've signed Tarkovsky on a free transfer and they've paid a lot of money for Dwight McNeil, who got one assist in the Premier League last season. And obviously, like you said earlier, their pre-season hasn't gone particularly well. So... Yeah, potentially you could load up on Chelsea attacking assets this weekend. Sterling is always a tempter for me, um, but he is probably just a little bit too expensive.
0: Yeah, I agree. I initially had Sterling in my draft as soon as he moves over, but then I thought it's just maybe not quite worth it. It's more of a wait and see. Um, I think Everton have a lot of players. I mean, they've just signed James Tarkowski, They've still got Michael Keane. Um, Mikalenko's still there. But I just don't think they've got enough to do anything within the league. And I think with Frank Lampard, he's a really, really poor football manager, as we all know very well. They've been linked with Max Cornet as well, or Cornet, as State from North versus South would say. Um, (laughs) They've been linked with Max Cornet, who, again, it feels like another luxury player for them. They signs the likes of Dele Alli, uh Van Der Beek, etc. And they these players did absolutely nothing. So I just think it's a perfect summary of Frank Lampard. He's all style, no substance. And I think they're going to really, really struggle again this season.
1: Yeah, they've lost Richardson, obviously. And I don't think they've replaced the goals that he brings to them as much as we sort of say he's not a particularly great player. He's, he's a sort of talismanic player in that Everton side of the last few years. And you feel like... Especially when Calvert-Lewin was injured a lot, he was their main source of goals. So they're going to be relying a hell of a lot on Calvert-Lewin this season, especially if they don't bring anyone else in, because they haven't replaced those goals with Dwight McNeil, let me tell you that.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Um, But even I think Richarlison, as much as we dislike him as a player, the way he played is he drags them through some really, really tough phases last season. And I don't think they've got that this season, so I think they'll be very reliant on other teams doing worse than them, rather than them doing enough to stay up. Frankly, this year. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, looking at the Sunday fixtures, then for this upcoming weekend, the first one to talk about is Leicester versus Brentford, which I think is a really, really interesting and exciting game. Um, Leicester, I think they're in a bit of mini turmoil. If you look at their fans and the way they're acting over the summer, they haven't really signed anyone. They've just had to back back a forty million bid for Madison from Newcastle. So Madison's probably said privately he wants to leave. So I think Leicester are in a bit of trouble. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what you get for not starting Ian nature every week.
1: <laughs> it's karma. But I mean, yeah, like if you do, if you do the looks on Twitter, you can see everyone is very unhappy with the way things go. They haven't signed anyone so far this summer, which. If, you, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards in the Premier League because everyone else is constantly upgrading and making moves in the transfer market. So they're going to be struggling here if they don't sign anyone before the deadline. Obviously, they've got some very good players. We all know that. Vardy is good at this level, but he's only getting older. James Madison is a very good player. Harvey Barnes has had a good season. Uh, Dewsbury Hall comes through last season and looked like he's, he's really hit the ground running. But I think Ricardo Pereira's has picked up an injury in pre-season as well. They need to make some signings, but I think... Maybe the money just isn't there.
0: Yeah, perhaps. Um, Pereira being injured means James Justin is guaranteed to start. If you want a differential 4.5, we love James Justin. Go Justin forever. Um, But they're actually coming up against the Brentford side without Christian Eriksen. Now, before Eriksen signs for Brentford, they were the worst team in the league. Um, They've made a couple of signings. So Ben Mee from Burnley has now gone over. Uh, Goalkeeper from Lazio as well as backup. Then... Uh, I think they signed Hickey from Bologna in Serie A. And the the guy with the greatest name in football, or the most English name, Keane-Lewis-Potter, has come in from Hull City for just over 15 million. I don't really know much about them, but they I feel like they're very Brentford players. So low, low, low Premier League, maybe high, high, high championship. I think Brentford are going to be in a lot of trouble this season. Um being quite transparent. And everyone's putting them as 12th, 11th, top 10. I think they're probably second season syndrome favourites.
1: I agree. It's going to be tougher than this season. Ben Mee's coming in. Up. Ben Mee is an all right defender, but he was always the second best defender in the, in a central defensive partnership at Burnley. Uh, King Lewis Potter is meant to be a very good player. He's still young. He's only 21. And he has done well in the Championship for Hull over the last year. Um If he does anything like Jared Bowen stepping up from the Championship uh, to the Premier League, the last whole player to do that, then uh, if he's half as good as he's been in the last season, then he'll be a decent signing. But I agree. I think second season syndrome is a big thing and it's going to be really tough for them. They haven't really made big signings. I know Brentford have this really stats-driven approach to their signings, which has worked really well for them in the past. Um, Losing Christian Eriksen is massive because the influence Mm -hmm. he had when he signed was huge and I don't think they've re- really like reproduced that creativity they haven't filled that gap so mm-hmm. and with Tony and Mbwemo I just like I feel like it's a very underwhelming strike partnership I think Tony's a good player but I just I don't think there's going to be enough chances created for him
0: I think he needs other players around him to make him better and when he's got the right players around him like Ericsson he becomes a really really good player but I I just don't see it I'm, I'm not inspired at all by anyone from Brentford um from an FPL standpoint, if you're going to go for one, you're going to go for Raya. But again, it's very, very uninspiring, I feel.
1: That's a moment for me. I, mean, I might go for Tony. I can't see it myself.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, next game to talk about is going to be Manchester United versus Brighton. Now, Man U... I think we all know what happened last season in this fixture in particular. It was very, very entertaining. Um, but I'd hope they're a different team under Ten Hag. Well, I don't, because it was hilarious. But I'd expect they're a bit of a team under Erickson Um I think from an FEL standpoint, we both love Sancho. He's been really good in pre-season. And I think second season, he could really come into his own. Probably ahead of Rashford, I would say. But I think both are very good options for the season.
1: Yeah, I think uh, if they can reproduce the form that they look like they've been shown in pre season, they're they're definitely contenders. You obviously spoke last week about Bruno Fernandes potentially coming more back into the fold with the the turmoil ongoing around Ronaldo at the moment. He did play uh, in pre season at the weekend, but he played 45 minutes and left Old Trafford before the game had finished. So it's not looking good for his future there. He obviously is still desired, he stated his desire to still play in the Champions League. Ten Hag's making his own signings now. He's bringing in players that he's worked with before. Uh, Lissandro Martinez has just come in as well. Christian Eriksen's obviously come in. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fit in because there's going to be a, a hot, sort of a relatively high turnover in this squad going into the first week of the season. But, I mean, I do like to I do like to see Manu struggle because it is very funny. But also, I would like to see them improve because I think from an FPL standpoint, there's some good value there to be had like with the likes of players that we've said, like Rashford and Sancho.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think from an FPL standpoint, Man U are a fun team to invest in as well. Um, at the start of last season, Bruno, if you remember, got 20 points in the first game week. So I think it's very fun to invest in cheap Manu players and watching them do well. And not that many people will be on them. So it makes them nice differentials. I've punted on Sancho first week of the season. So I think you're probably going to as well. Maybe you're not. Who knows?
1: You'll find out at the end of this podcast.
0: Excellent. Well, let's talk about Brighton then, because I think there's a potential for Brighton, even though they're losing Kukurela, even though they've lost Basuma, I think defensively, you probably aren't going near them, and that includes the goalkeeper, Sanchez. But going forward, they play some very good football. They've got that Undav that they've just signed. And I saw that uh, Trossard just got a hat-trick in pre-season. Could be very underrated at 6.5.
1: I am never going to have Trossard in my team just because I think he is awful. I just can't trust Brighton Strikers. Him and Mopé, I just cannot trust at all. Undav, if he can find a place in this starting eleven, I think he's got potential just based off his numbers Uh, playing in Belgium last season. uh, he, He does seem a little bit more exciting, but I don't know. Just in general, Brighton don't excite me enough to really have any of them in my team.
0: I agree. And it's quite boring, isn't it? And their start to the season isn't great either. The first three games are Manu away, then it's Newcastle at home, then it's West Ham away. So a really difficult opening. After that, it gets a bit better um, with Leeds, Fulham, Leicester and Bournemouth. So maybe if you're looking at Brighton players, you can afford to wait until game week four-ish.
1: Um, game week three, they always beat West Ham.
0: Okay, That's true. So you can afford to wait until game week three-ish for Brighton. Um Two more things to speak about then. And the first one is going to be West Ham. Now you're the one to give your opinion on this because you're going to be the subject matter expert.
1: I will be avoiding any West Ham assets at the start of the season. Although actually, to be fair, I think in my current draft, Declan Rice is in there as like a bench fodder at the end because he's going to get two points every week. so like, right. he, Just get Andreas Ferrara. Nah, that's well more boring. Declan Rice <laughs> is more fun. Um, but I mean, we made a few signings. Ariola's come in. It's going to be interesting to see if he takes that number one spot in the league this season over Fabianski. I suspect that is what we're going to lean towards, and Fabianski is going to be the cup keeper. Um, for came in as a centre back, but it looks like he's going to be out until potentially after the World Cup. Now, after he's um, injured his ankle against Rangers in pre-season, and we've finally signed a striker after about two years. We've finally signed a striker, Gianluca Scamacca from Sassuolo. Uh, I don't think he'll be starting in that first week. I think Antonio will still have that starting berth, but obviously Scamacca will get his time. Be interested to see how he goes. He There was interest from PSG. There was interest, interest from Juventus. So I'd like to think he's an all right player. Judging by the classic YouTube compilation highlights, he looks an absolute <laughs> baller, but everyone looks good on YouTube. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how we start this season. I still feel like we need one, one or two more signings, but... Wouldn't be touching any West Ham assets at the start here just because of the, the run of fixtures we've got at the start of the season.
0: Can I just correct one thing you said? You said everyone looks good on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, then feel free to comment correcting them, correcting that here.
1: And um, if footballers look good on YouTube. We look awful.
0: We look awful on YouTube and everywhere else. Um, last team to really talk about then is Manchester City. And I think with Man City, you're... You just need to be invested. Their start of the season is so good. They, According to the fixture difficulty rating, they haven't got any hard games in the first seven. I think Man City, you should be doubled or trebled up on them. You've got defensive options in Walker if you want to be cheap, uh, DS, Laporte, and Cancelo if you want to spend a bit more. You've got midfield options of plenty. So Grealish has started every game in preseason. KDB's guaranteed 90 minutes every week. Uh, Mares could be a potential option but you never know with his minutes and then up front of course you've got Haaland who admittedly he didn't do great against Liverpool but he still has an XG of 1.6 now you're getting an XG of 1.6 against the best side you'll play against all season you're obviously doing something right and that team is designed to put the ball in at Haaland's feet so I think keep the faith if you had Haaland before he will turn out very very well especially with these opening fixtures.
1: Yeah, if he gets enough chances, he'll score goals. He's done it everywhere he's been. So, And he's still only 21. I think I feel like that's really overlooked because it feels oh. like he's been a, a, a big name for a good couple of years now. But he is still only 21. Uh, he's coming into a new league. I think he's got all of the physical attributes you need to be a good striker in the Premier League. And like you say, they will create chances for him. You look at the players that he's got surrounding him, chances will be a plenty. So I think he will score bags of goals this season.
0: Totally agree. I think... Eve, there was almost a bit of a rush to get him out of the team after the Community Shield and get Kane in. I think that is a mistake. Uh, Harland and Kane are both really, really good options. But I, And I personally am thinking of switching between the two, but I think both are very good. City are the best team in the league, unquestionably, no doubt whatsoever. Um, you've got arguably the best players surrounded by the rest of the best players, essentially. In KDB surrounded by the likes of B Silver, Jack Greenish, Phil Frozen, etc. So I think they're a really, really strong team to invest in. And that is our game week one preview. So Matt, why don't you talk us through where you are with your drafts? Because this is the last podcast we do before we start the season. So tell us where you're sitting at the moment.
1: Excited times, eh? Uh, I currently am sat with my starting eleven. Of Nick Pope in goal. A back five, because you've got to have a back five, because we're big at the back. Uh, Of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell, um, Andrew Robertson, Alexander Zinchenko and Ruben Diaz. Three across the middle of Luis Diaz, Jack Grealish and Jadon Sancho. And a front two of Erling Haaland and Gabriel Jesus. Uh, My bench is Caballero, Odegaard, Awanui and Declan Rice. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Armband on Haaland. Uh, so we will see. I just feel like if I've captained someone that's playing West Ham, it can probably only end well for me because either he'll score a hat-trick or he won't. But, you know, if he doesn't, then I'm probably quite happy. But then again, he'll probably blank and we'll lose 4-0. To
0: be very clear to all of our listeners, Matt is 100% changing that team up because there's no way he goes in without Salah. I'm calling it. This. Well, we
1: will see. I'm, I'm, I'm very determined just to be a contrarian. There's
0: no way you go into the season without Salah. No, trouble. and you don't want a 6.5 player on your bench. That's ridiculous. Um, so, my team is a bit more reasonable and probably a bit closer to what I'll start the season with. Um, Nick Pope and goal, I've already spoken about. I think he'll be great. Robertson and Trent uh, at the back alongside Dorothy. I spoke earlier that I really, really like him as an option and Walker as well because I want to be cheap. Uh, across the midfield, it's currently sitting as Martinelli. Relish, Sancho, and Salah with the captain's armbands on. And up front is Gabriel, Jesus, and Harry Kane. My tentative plan is to go Kane to Haarlem for game week two, and then Harlem to Kane again for game week three, and just almost swap them around interchangeably. Whether I stick to that or not, who knows. Um, on the bench, I've got Ward as the goalkeeper, because he's very likely to be Leicester's starting keeper at 4.0 million. Then I've got uh, Leon Bailey, Nico Williams, and Archer for Aston Villa. The reason I haven't gone Greenwood for Leeds is because I think he'll get a price drop because so many people have got him straight out the blocks as a 4.5 striker. So I went for Archer instead on the the basis that he may get minutes, but I don't really care if he does as a third sub.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's... uh, I think... We've, but I think we've both got good squads. Uh, it's going to be interesting mm. to see if I do stick without Salah to see how we go.
0: You're, there's no way versus the promoted side, you don't have Mo Salah. If anything... Diaz is better. better. Diaz is better, mate.
1: don't know what you're talking about. Diaz is better.
0: You may captain Haaland, but you want to have Salah just so you don't get too badly burned if he does go off.
1: No, nah, he's going kind
0: to of blank. <laughs> we'll wait and see then. Everyone you heard it, it here
1: first. He's going you to go off the after 10 minutes. <laughs> Tim Reeves gonna snap in
0: Expert insights from Matthew Higgins. And um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're gonna be watching the first game uh on Friday night. Get involved with the conversation on Twitter. It's so fun interacting with you all. We can be found at big at the back.
1: Yeah, and you can find me at Higgins92 and Tom is at Tom Madden92. Yeah, we're gonna be watching the game here on Friday night, having a good few beers, I'm sure, having a good time. Uh get in touch with us on Twitter. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube as well. Hit the notification bell so you get a notification whenever we upload a new video. And you can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So if you want to listen to us in the podcast version while you're going out for your walk or run, why not do that instead?
0: Worth also noting as well that we do have an FPL league. It's the Big at the Back podcast league. We'd love all of you to join in. Uh, So the code to join that is OscarWhiskey. Yankee Golf Hotel Alpha. Other than that, that's all we've got time for. We can't wait to speak to all of you and get the season started.